You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of Beyond the Game. Hello and welcome to Beyond the Game, where we explore the mindset of life off the field and after the career. I'm your host, as always, Kendall Gammon. First, though, we want to thank Crown Automotive, become Beyond the Game is made possible. Crown Automotive, Lawrence, Kansas, home to Crown Toyota and Crown Volkswagen. Thank you to Miles Slayer, the visionary owner of Crown Automotive, for supporting our mission to share these incredible stories with you. Visit crownautomotive.com and experience the crown difference. And we are now joined by my former Kansas City Chiefs teammate, Dante Hall, the X-Factor, human joystick, probably other things that we can't repeat. But either way, dude, it's good to have you on. Good to be on with you. How's everything? You know, everything is well. I, I like the fact that we've kept it in touch uh, a little bit since our careers and we always got along. Um, we're going to get into that here in a minute. But obviously, as we tape this, uh, as we record this, uh, the Chiefs have a game. They're going to go to Buffalo here soon. I know you're very involved with the Chiefs, and we'll get into that as well. But just talk to me. I know you you, you watch the games. You're at a lot of the games. Uh, what are you seeing right now? What do you think? Um, what I'm seeing is a team that obviously is not as good and dynamic that we have been on offense in the past. But I'm also seeing a team that has not been this good on defense since the Derrick Thomas, Neil Smith days. So, yeah. I, and as an offensive guy, I'm going to shock you, Kendall. I love defense. I really? actually love a good defensive game when it's a struggle to score points. Yes, we all love the high-flying, you know, yep. 40, 45 type games. But me personally, be a 17-14 style game, and it's tough to score points. It's a premium on moving the ball. And uh, that's what, you know, our defense is, is, is presenting to other teams now. So that's what I see. I see a team that's less dynamic on offense, but very, very strong on defense. And of course, that 17 to 14 win would be two return touchdowns, one through punch and one through uh, kickoff return as well. But that that's okay. Um, okay, let, let's let's talk about it. Um, going way back, um, I mean, when you get to the NFL, then obviously as you grew up through uh, elementary, middle school, high school, and even in college, it's not being cocky. You're just gifted. You're you're better than others. That that's what happens when you get to this age, uh, when you get to this stage of the NFL. Just talk about though, moving into college, what that that was like. Your mindset wise, you left college uh, earlier than you would have liked. You can talk as much or as little as you like about that. I remember we came to Kansas City at the same time. I remember you talking to me about some of those things. But just talk to me about that mindset early on in your career. Yeah, so I think you have to go back and look at the trajectory as I did. And it was funny because at every stage starting in middle school, I always had to prove myself. And then at mm-hmm. the end of each year, there was always an issue. Um, in middle school, um, you know, I had to prove myself. I grew up in the South. You had the A team and B team when you started playing organized school. Okay, B team was the lesser Talented mm-hmm. people and the A team were supposedly to start. Started on the B team, right? So had to prove myself, work my way up to the A team. Finally get to the A team, and then guys on the A team were going to high school earlier and starting and playing in the ninth grade earlier. So I had okay. friends that going off playing basketball earlier and football earlier in the ninth grade. And then I get to high school, uh, same thing, had to prove myself, but I did make varsity. 
by my sophomore year, balled out my sophomore year, junior year, started getting a lot of offers to college, but then I broke my foot my senior year. And all okay. of this is relative because I always had some type of knock. He's too small, injury prone, or whatever to overcome. Um, mm-hmm. So that kind of started in middle school and high school. Um, and I had to preface that because that's kind of what happened and transitioned when I went to college. Got to college, had to prove myself, same sort of uh, storyline again, balled out my sophomore year, had a great junior year, should have came out early, but s- decided to go back, work right. on finishing my degree, and I thought we had a team that could win the national championship. So I go back my senior year um, and uh, I get injured. I had a high ankle sprain. And this is at a time when high ankle sprains were That's an issue. It's like a knee. Nowadays, I don't know what they're doing medically-wise, getting these guys back in, in two or three weeks, but this was an eight-month to one-year injury when you got a high ankle sprain, especially with my style of running. So I suffered a high ankle sprain early on in my senior year, and then I get dismissed from the football team for parking violations. Now, it wasn't necessarily for the parking violation. It was the way I reacted when the head coach called me out about the parking violation in okay. a team meeting with two weeks to go in the season. That's oh, wow. what I issue with. Um, you wait until two weeks left in my career. Now, I have been doing it wrong, right, or indifferent. I have been, you know, um, getting these parking violations every year. But I always paid them off. Well, my mom always paid them off. So, <laughs> um, you wait until two weeks. I'm injured right. all year. The season didn't go as we thought. So, I just feel like I was being used as a scapegoat. And um, he came at me. I went back at him. And that's technically why I was dismissed. But here's the funny thing about that. I was dismissed on a Sunday. It was all over the news on Monday. I was back on the team by Tuesday. That was not covered. You know how the media works. They covered all all the negative stuff, but they did not cover the fact that my mom and my high school coach, who was very close and the reason that I went to Texas A&M, they came down. We had a meeting and um, I, you know, apologized and Admitted I was wrong, but RC also RC Slocum, that was his name. Mm-hmm. Slocum, he also admitted that he was wrong. He shouldn't have called me out like that. The timing was off. And he admitted, right. you know, he was frustrated on how the team um had been acting on the plane. They they had went to Oklahoma. Okay. Uh, got the brakes beat off of them. And they're on the plane coming back with all the boosters and you know all these special guests, and I guess they were partying as if they had won. And I think we were like 6-6 six and six that year. So, obviously, a lot of frustration in the coach. Yeah. The behaved. I wasn't even on the plane. I'm back on rehabbing. And uh, he admitted, you know, he was just frustrated with everything. So, we made a mess. He put me back yes. on that which was crucial in two, right. two, two ways. Um, it allowed me to continue working towards my degree. Uh-huh. Continue going to school. And it allowed yep. me to continue to work out and train and get ready for the comeback. Right. So those were two huge things that people don't realize Coach Slocum did for me just two days after dismissing me from the team. So 
Um, that's, that's interesting though. I mean, you, you probably learned a lot from that. You know, I read things about that. I didn't know how much you would share. Not sure. I remember when we met, I remember you telling me about those parking tickets and kind of joking about it, but in the press, you're absolutely right. It didn't talk about the fact that you were reinstated. I, I didn't see that anywhere. I just saw the other stuff. That being said, you probably learned a lot from it. I probably learned a lot from, I mean, RC Slocum, that, that, that's a legendary coach. And for somebody like that, he probably could have gotten away with admit, uh, with not admitting that he was wrong and just went about his business, but he didn't. And I would like to think that you probably learned something from that. I, I think you were very close with your high school coach as well. Of course, we'll get into it. We know how close you were with, with Coach Vermeil, or if we don't know, we're going to hear about it, I know. But uh, just talk to me about that. So let's, let's finish with R.C. Slocum. Okay, gotcha. One other thing that he would always tell me he did, and then I recently had dinner with Carl Peterson. Who was a GM for the Chiefs when I yeah. got him, and he confirmed it. Basically, not only did he reinstate me on the team, allow me to work, uh -huh. allowed me to um, finish uh, working towards my degree, but he also mm -hmm. gave the Chiefs good, you know, good characteristic uh, description of me by telling them, "Okay, he's a good kid, not a troublemaker. He may be a little spoiled, <laughs> his mom, but yeah. he's a good kid." So, and you right. know how it is that uh, the NFL teams and how much they look at character issue. And he told them, yeah, you know, character issue. So, all of these things were going on behind the scene. Um, so, big shout out to Coach Slocum. Um, yeah. and I have become big, great friends since we golf together sometimes. Uh, just a great, great, great dude. Um, he looked out for me, uh, unbeknownst to me, tremendously during that time. Now, my high school coach, he's the reason yeah. that I went to Texas A&M. He played okay. for R.C. Slocum. He was a Texas A&M alum and played for R.C. Slocum when R.C. Slocum was the defensive coordinator at Texas A&M. So okay. Coach Slocum became the um, head coach, obviously, mm -hmm. in a relationship with um, with uh, Coach Slocum. He, you know, I got injured. If you remember, I got injured my senior year, and I had the the – too small knock and the injury prone knock. Yes. Yeah. Uh, with me. So slow, uh, my high school coach, Bernard Simon basically talked to RC. Hey, got a great kid. He's very talented. He's really not injury prone. It's a fluke incident, whatever, whatever. And talk to coach Slocum about if I was to come there, a big thing for me was I didn't want to sit and wait my freshman year. You know, I didn't want to wrestle. Right. Will I have the opportunity to compete and play right away? And that was all because of the relationship that my high school coach had with R.C. Slocum. And um, my high school coach also was beyond just X's and O's. As a matter of fact, when I think about my high school coach, he probably was more um, uh, instrumental in my life off the field than he was on the field. I really right. can't see a lot of X's and O's that he taught me. Yeah, he helped me get a scholarship to go to Texas mm -hmm. at but he changed the trajectory and the path of my life at a time in high school, way before I had done anything in college or the pros. He just saw a young man that had talent and was on the wrong path, hanging with the wrong people, um, mm -hmm. doing the wrong things. Um, and he moved me into his home where my mom couldn't do anything with me because my dad wasn't around. They had divorced when I was two. He had died okay. like when I was 15. So... During this crucial moment, this crossroad, this mm -hmm. fork to the road moment in my life, uh, Bernard Simon brought me into his home when he had wow. two little kids himself. Um, 
So I look back at that at, at, as probably the most important thing that he ever did in my life. And then even after football and during football, he was just always talking to me about, you know, just life. Like basically what a father would do, right? Trying to give. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jewels, gems, do's and don'ts. Um, that was Coach Simon for me. That's no, interesting. You you talk about that. I think people, that's one thing people don't always realize. I mean, sports, there's so many things, aspects to it that are important. But one of the big ones is the fact that we get mentored by people who really want to make a difference in our lives. I think that's why coaches become coaches to begin with is because oftentimes they had people make a difference in their lives. And so they want to give back uh, at whatever level. And and I mean, we all do. I've, I've always said it for me. People always ask, well, are you going to coach when you're done? Like, no, you could, you literally could not pay me enough to coach because I don't want to put that time in. Not that I don't want to help people. I do in other ways, but coaching is, it can be a special. You got to be a special human being. That's what I realized. Yeah. I'm like you, Kendall. Yep. I tried to coach. Yeah. I guess we'll get into that. I, I, yeah, I, I, yeah. I tried it. I gave it an attempt, and I realized, looked in the mirror, is like I'm just not made for that. Like yeah. I can't invest all of my efforts, energies into another yeah. kid that's not invested in themselves. Like I just don't have that. Like, yep. I think that's why. I, not saying I'm Michael Jordan or anybody like that, but that's why you're Michael Jordans and people like that. They can't coach. We're cut from a different type of cloth. You, yeah, still like we're just not cut like that. And that's what makes the Dick Vermeils, the Bernard Simons, the RC Slocum, they are cut different. Now, so, um, something I mean, a lot of people know, and a lot of people maybe our listeners don't know is I mean, you were a running back and, and, um, you, you transitioned. Uh, really at the bequest, I think, of Coach Vermeil from that to a wide receiver and return uh, return man. And you went over to the World, at the, the World League, which is not there now, but you, you played for, I think, the, the Scottish Claymores. And uh, not exactly the NFL over there in terms of uh, the facilities and everything going on. Talk about that, because that had to be humbling. It's humbling and weird at the same time, because I go uh-huh. to six and you know, you know how these college facilities are. Oh, yeah, yeah. Gross. So I go mm-hmm. from six and them facilities, eating steak every day if I wanted to, shrimp, like just world-class meals every single day in the food hall. I make it, get drafted to the NFL. I'm in NFL locker room wearing NFL equipment. It's just handed for you, ready for you in your locker every day. They clean it for you. It's fresh. And then all of a sudden, I go backwards because NFL, you're yeah. experiencing that environment was more like high school you got to mm-hmm. take your own laundry on clean it wash it get it ready for the next day the facilities we literally practice at a high school so wow I mean, it was like going backwards so humbling would be an understatement but wow i was so eager i was so determined to um uh make it in the nfl not be a one and done that i right it out and I just took the attitude that I'm gonna go over here and do my thing in Scotland like this is just what it is now I can't lie to you in the beginning I didn't have that attitude in the beginning right Coach Ramil was trying to you know cut me in this like some type of crazy way because I didn't understand the business of the NFL I didn't mm-hmm. understand and you know I come in my rookie year I'm seeing guys get cut released for all sorts of reasons Money, injuries, uh, not performance, whatever. So I'm like, is this some weird way? 
for him to cut me, he's asking me to go play wide receiver. I've never played that position at any level at any point in my life. How mm -hmm. am I supposed to do this at the highest level? So I really initially thought this is some BS. Uh, he's trying to cut me. They're going to cut me. I'm wasting my time. But sucked it up, put my big boy pants on, and went over there and made the best of a terrible situation. Oh, that's interesting. We're going to talk more about that. Let's take a break. When we come back, we will uh, continue. We appreciate you supporting KC Sports Network by listening to our podcast. You have helped us become the highest ranked Chiefs podcast network in 2022 and 2023. And don't forget about our daily Substack newsletter, the best written analysis you can find on the Chiefs straight to your inbox every day. KCSN.substack.com. For all your new Toyota or Volkswagen needs, look no further than Miles Schneer's Crown Automotive in Lawrence, Kansas. Call 785-843-7700 or visit them online at crownautomotive.com. Crown Automotive. Experience the crown difference. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients, and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. Whether your New Year's resolution is to save money, eat better, or stress less, HelloFresh is here to help you do all three. Say hello to your most delicious year yet with fresh ingredients and chef-crafted recipes at a price you'll like delivered right to your doorstep. Make saving time your breeziest resolution with quick, convenient recipes delivered right to you. Just choose your meals and select your delivery date. HelloFresh handles the meal planning and shopping, so all you'll have to do is open your weekly box of pre-portioned ingredients and step-by-step -step recipes to get cooking. HelloFresh can make cooking with your family fun, easy, and simple. Go to HelloFresh.com slash KCSNFree and use code KCSNFree for free breakfast for life. One breakfast item per box while subscription is active. That's free breakfast for life at HelloFresh.com slash KCSNFree with code KCSNFree. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Now let's get back to the show. All right, we're back with Dante Hall, my former uh, teammate, the X Factor, Human Joystick, and a lot of other names from uh, teammates that we won't mention, I'm sure. I don't know what they are. They were good. They were bad. Uh, but I, I said that because I, I want to talk about, I mean, your prowess on the field is, you know, 
I would say second to none, but I know you talk about some other guys that you think are, are up there as well. But you did some great things. You were all pro one year, second team all pro, two pro bowls, a lot of other things going on. Um, injury finally takes you out of the game. Seven years, I think, with the Chiefs, two with the Rams. But um, talk to me about uh, first uh, and foremost, once you got into the return position in games in the NFL and started having that success, you know, I was right there. I wasn't on the field for those things, uh, but I was seeing it. And every time I, I remember it, uh, every time at Arrowhead, I mean, it was a different feel when it was a punt or a kickoff. And, and that's tough to make it do that way, but it was because of you and what you were doing. And I know you give credit to your teammates, and I'm sure you'll talk about that, but just talk to me about that mindset and what you were feeling back then. So, again, we have to go back to the beginning. Um, I played running back all the uh -huh. way until my second year in the league. I also always returned kicks. So okay. I returned kicks in middle school, returned kicks in high school, and I returned kicks in college. Um, so the mindset for me was, being a running back and having to run it inside with big D tackles, linebackers, right? Starting uh -huh. the best defensive guys on the team. Once yeah. you go out and turn a kick, these are the, the second stringers and the third stringers, and they're not as big. They're not as fast. Like, my mindset was this is easier than run, playing running back. It's just easier. Okay. So, playing running back just instilled in me a fearless nature. Right, you cannot be mm -hmm. fearful and running back. Cause sometimes right. you hit it in the middle, a hundred miles per hour, and just trust the block. It. So that mindset stemmed from playing running back. That's number one. Um, as far as my teammates, I always give credit to my teammates and the coaching staff because I just always realized that sports, um, especially football, was a, the ultimate team sport. Like the quarterback needs so many elements around him to look good. Defensive guys, cornerbacks, everyone like it's all entangled that everyone needs yep. everyone around them and great elements around them to be successful. So it's not just cliche. It's just me understanding how the game of football works. And the coaching staff, I give Frank Gans the utmost respect because most people don't want to play special teams. They don't want to block. They don't want right. to run, do all that running, all the effort. Because special teams is mostly about effort. And design. Mm -hmm. Very rarely is it really about X's and O's. So Frank Gans always did a tremendous job of keeping the energy and the desire and the effort of the guys blocking for me um, way, way, way up. He demanded it. So when I gave him the mic and the and the time to speak on my behalf, mm -hmm. Hall of Fame induction, that's the reason why. I understood and recognized early life from having not having him four year and not having him my last three year, I recognize the difference that he made and the personnel around around me. So yes, I did my thing, but I couldn't have did it without the coaches and and, and the other guys. Well, that's interesting. Now we have alluded to it a little bit, but uh and I always noticed it um and thought it was just a really cool thing. You and uh, Coach Vermeil had a, a really special relationship. I think you still do. I'm guessing you still stay in touch quite a bit. Um we were yeah, I mean, to see him going into the the, the Hall of Fame like he did, uh, way too late in my opinion, but all the same. Just talk to me, talk to our listeners about that because that was something that, that I just don't think happens all the time between 
NFL players. Oh, there you go. You had it go on. And I was like, folks, you can't see this if you're not watching the video. But uh, Dante's pulling one shirt up, and you've got the Hall of Fame Dick Vermeil shirt underneath that. That is fabulous. Um, <laughs> uh, talk to me about it. I mean, uh, just like my high school coach, Dick Vermeil, took me under his wing as like a son. I felt it. Um, and I think that's what makes Coach Vermeil so great is that he care he literally cares about you off the field. And um mm-hmm. I didn't recognize that early on, but the more I was around him, the more I just watched him do his thing, the more I talked to other guys that had played for him before. Mm-hmm. And it really, really sunk in after I was done playing football. I talked to you, you said that we still stay in touch. He literally just drove what, maybe a month ago, drove from Philly. Uh, my wife has set up a nice little wine event to help support his wine company. He drove up. Okay. We hung out. We did an event together. Um, during the pandemic, he and his wife, Carol, they drove up again, stopped by the house, saw me and the kids. Um, he calls me weekly, texts wow. me, how you doing? How to send my love to the kids, to the wife. Like, this is just who he is. And I last played for Dick Vermeer 2005. Yeah. 2005, wow. 2006. Here we are in 2024. I hear from mm-hmm. this man weekly. And I see him I'm not as often as I would like, but pretty often, you know, for his age, yeah. pretty often, you know. Um, so I recognized that he was genuine early on in my career. And just we just formed a relationship because I trusted him. He was a man of word. Um, I, I, I can go on and on about Coach yeah. Bell. To sum it up and simplify it, he truly cares about his players. It's simple as that. Yeah. Yeah. And that being said, um, just because you care about somebody and you have a good relationship, I mean, he wasn't he wasn't afraid to, to, to flat lay it out to you and read you your rights. I know he did to me. I know he did to you and, and many others as well. I think that's I think that's a misconception people get sometimes. You know, the ones that love you the most are going to be the hardest on you. Yeah, they just want to enable you. They don't really love you. It seems like love, but that ain't a yep. true form of love. The ones that really love you, I've learned, they will reach you to your rights. That's funny, by the way. They will reach you to your rights and tear into you. It's up to you how you take it and what's your perspective on it. And uh, the fact that a coach, who, well, I had a coach tell me one time, uh, don't be afraid when I'm getting on you. Don't be worried about that. Be worried yeah. when I stop getting on you and I stop talking to you. That's when you should be afraid because now I don't care anymore. I'll check that. He's exactly right. Now, you talk about checking out. Well, let's just uh, go to this because I, I like to get the perspective of everybody I speak with, which is, you know, the one constant in the NFL that never changes is the fact that eventually the career ends. It's As I always said, it's the best temporary job you could ever have, and I was only renting that seat uh, every day. Um Talk to me about your exit from the NFL, the feelings you felt, the mindset you were dealing with, and, and where you moved on from there. Um, the first year was great, to be honest. Um, my girlfriend, wife now, my girlfriend at the time, we pretty much just traveled the world, had a great time. Um, and I walked away on my own, so I think that helped me initially. Yes. And other teams trying to uh, you know, sign me after I left the Rams. But I just felt like my body was starting to tell me, uh, you know, it's it. Mm-hmm. Seven years with the Chiefs, I think I missed three games due to injury. Get with the Rams, I go on IR two years in a row. And going from playing for the Chiefs, that organization, that fan base, to 
the at the time St. Louis Rams, that fan base and that stadium, I lost my desire to even continue putting my body through that playing football. It just wasn't fun to me anymore. So I walked away on my own terms. Um, me and my wife, we lived it up, traveled the world. And then all of a sudden I felt a board. Like it was the first time in my life, wait a minute, I don't have anything okay. going on. I don't have any right. whole life. This is this doesn't feel right. So I started that challenge of trying to find something. I tried to be an agent. I wanted to be an agent, but um, around that time, they enacted a new rule. You had to either have a law degree or have been practicing. Mm-hmm. So uh, that took me off that track. So I was like, you know what? Let me give back. I had, like you say, so many coaches have helped me out. Let me try this. Mm-hmm. But I just felt like in high school for one year of coaching and one year of going back and finishing my degree and doing an intern at Texas and m coaching, I just realized these kids are not, they're different. I just feel like they're not like we right. heard it, receptive to coaching. The social media blows their heads up. Their moms is hurdle, huddle, whatever that little thing they have. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Huddle. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I wanted no part of that. So that was about three years after retirement. And then my wife and I, we moved east to the New Jersey, New York area. And um, I was like, you know what? Maybe I, you know, finance is a big thing out here. Let me look into that. And I got recruited by uh, New York Life Insurance, really liked the guy, gave that, a, uh, gave that, you know, a go. And I just realized, man, I have to find my lane within sports. And it was right. around that time, 2015, 2016, that I found a nice little uh, lending spot, working with marketing agents, uh, doing a little TV, a little radio. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't have to do it full-time like a coach. I could still right. start a family, which was very important to me. Um, and I just found a nice little landing spot to where I could still have my freedom, but also still be working towards something and stand within a realm that I love, and that's sports. So now, you know, I work with the Chiefs as an ambassador. I work yep. with the NFL League office as a legends coordinator. Um, I do a lot of uh, freelance sports things and uh, have opportunities with that, and and it's been good. Um, I'm still trying to grow from that, but that's where I'm at right, right. now, and I feel like it's been it's been pretty good so far. Uh, talk about to the degree you're comfortable. Uh, I mean, you talked about uh, your girlfriend that became your wife later, and I believe you have two girls and, and a boy. Um, just just talk to me uh, about that part again to the point that, that you're comfortable with. Oh, I'm very comfortable because I think um, it was one of the most important things for me after football. I think a lot of times when people, uh, guys, uh, former players struggle, um, they don't have a new purpose. They don't have a new goal. They don't have a new right. sense of uh, uh, being. And my wife and my kids gave me that desire to like, hey, man, pick yourself up, get something going. You got a totally way more important goal to obtain. And uh, for me, that's what they have provided me is um, basically, you know, you got to keep, now you're working for them. Up until then, right. it was all about me, my personal goals, making it to the right. NFL, killing it in the league. And like you said, that was temporary. That, that's 10 years of your, your life. If you're lucky, mm-hmm. if you're fortunate. Now I got, I retired when I was 30, hope to see 100. That's 70 years of raising kids, being a husband, being a father, being a best friend. Like, that's yep. that's the game now. And it's going to um have way, way more impact on your legacy than some running around scoring touchdowns. So uh, for me, it was a blessing in disguise meeting this young lady, marrying her. She's giving me three beautiful, awesome kids. And now 
That's my focus is trying to provide the best life I can for them. That's really cool. Um, so here recently, you got one of the biggest honors you can get. Uh, you're you're told that you're going to go into the Chiefs uh, Ring of Honor, the Hall of Fame there. Uh, first and foremost, talk to me about the the first thought that happened or what was going on when you first found out about this and were told about it. So um, the day I found out, I was actually golfing. Um, and I got a phone call from a 214 number. You're from Texas. Okay. You know who 214 is. I'm a Texas boy. Um, so I knew right away, that's Dallas. Hmm. I have a lot of family and friends in Dallas. So I figured maybe it's just a, you know, cousin or friend or someone calling me from there. So I let it go to voicemail heaven. I hit my tee shot, come back. I check the voicemail. It's Clark Hunt. Yeah. I'm like, he didn't tell me on the voicemail. He's just, you know, this nonchalant, very monotone yep. voice. Yeah. Uh, give me a call back when you get a chance at this number. Yada, yada. And I'm thinking, pretty sure I haven't I've been a good boy. <laughs> I haven't done anything yet. <laughs> I haven't done anything yet. <laughs> 24 years of, no, 23 years of this, man. He's never called me. This you gotta be told. What have I done? Like, what is going on? Yep. So I call back and I immediately tell him, I joke, now this is either gonna be really, really good or really, really bad because yeah. for years you've never called me. And we have a great relationship. I see him, uh, I've seen him numerous times overseas mm -hmm. at the stadium, at event. It's always a pleasurable, uh, enjoy, enjoyable moment. So I'm like, this is gonna be really, really good. Maybe he's offering me a job. He wants me to come work for the Hunt family. Or this is really, really bad. I've messed up. And he laughed, got a chuck out of it. And he was like, no, nah, this is going to be really, really good. Uh, I've decided. And he explained to me it's a three-person panel. He, Brian Waters, and uh, Deron Cherry. Uh, they okay. decided to uh, induct me as the 2023 uh, Chiefs Hall of Fame inductee. And oh my God, I couldn't stop smiling. You see, I'm smiling now. Oh, like, oh I see it. Hell yeah. Absolutely. And you cannot even explain it. So I'm not going to even try to pull it in words because it's a feeling. Yep. That's something you could describe. It's a feeling. All you need to know is when I got off the phone, I could not hit a golf ball straight. Like I had too much <laughs> adrenaline, excitement. I bet. I can imagine. Right. I couldn't even focus on it. And he told me I couldn't tell anybody. I had to keep it in house because they wanted to announce it at the draft. Oh wow! Okay, I had to tell my wife. Are you kidding? Me? Yeah, I had to tell my wife. But that was it, man. That was that was the moment, and that's how it happened. You know, so I've I've been to several of these over the years. The guys go in. I know you've been to some as well, but I don't know. I, I haven't seen one as well attended as yours was this year. And I I was of course there. I thought that was phenomenal. You know. I'm curious. You have that experience. You're up there, and, and, and you you broke up a little bit, as would be expected. And you're an emotional guy, uh, but then down on the field, um, not only your wife, but you have your kids with you. Can, can you talk about that? Because I could I could tell that was just really really special for you. It was super special, man. Give me chills just thinking about it. Yeah, down. Right. I had my moment as I just described when I got the phone call. Everything else after that is work. To be honest. Mm -hmm. So yeah. at the beginning, the initial phone call, that's your personal moment. Me and the wife, we went celebrated like that's your moment. And then there's a lot of like, you know, things to do, press, press and all of that stuff. So that it becomes work. At that moment, to end it with them unveiling it with my kids on the field, 
Yeah. I didn't even witness that. My daughter, my oldest daughter, who is tough as this, you can be hard on her like a football player and she can uh-huh. take it. He does. Uh-huh. I, she broke down and started crying. Happy Aww. But that just goes to show you the 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 impact that it had on them. And I knew it would. My son now is obsessed with football. Prior to that moment, you know, he was a typical kid. You know, he likes Spider-Man, you know, um, Black Panther and Legos and stuff like that, right? Now he is absolutely obsessed with the Chiefs, with playing football, uh, playing sports. So it definitely had an impact, which I knew it would. Uh, witnessing right. that. What, they're going to put your dad's name on the stadium? Are you kidding me? What, the best stadium in all of football? Yeah, it was very special for me to uh, have them witness that and be alive to witness that. Because a lot of times, you know, these days come really, really late or they don't come at yeah. all. They come when you do. Right. So yeah. to be able to still be young, my kids be old enough to understand what was going on. I mean, that you, you can't put that in words how special that was. Yeah, you know, it's, it's you're very fortunate for a lot of different reasons. You know, most guys don't play to where their kids can can be on the field with them in, in some fashion. I was fortunate enough that I played long enough that my guy, my boys still remember coming in the locker room. My boys, you know, still remember being around you. I mean, even here recently when we came to a game, it was three or four or five years ago, I forget what it was, but we took a picture and you're just looking at them like, God, I remember when you guys used to come in the locker room and now, you know, one six eight, the other six six. Funny, I got the picture. You're on your toes. I didn't realize that at the time. That's just awesome. Uh, but I mean, we, we love things in our career and everything, and you have to be a little bit uh, selfish to get there, but the biggest joy is being able to share those things with our kids. I know it was for me, and I can just tell that from you as well. A hundred percent, and you probably can relate to, to this as well, Kendall. Now, when we speak to them, when we try to give them life guidance, maybe they will listen. It's like, hey, mm-hmm. I kind of know what it takes to be really, really successful. You have to do what... 99.9% of people are not doing. You got to go for it. Right. Well, maybe now I get a little more credence, a little more, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, daddy knows what he's talking about. You might want to listen. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of funny. You know, I, I, I know the saying, which is, you know, everybody wants to be uh, where you're at, but they don't want to do what you did to get there. And, and, and I think that that happens a lot. Because, and, and it goes to that whole Scottish Claymores in the World League because, uh, not only do a lot of people not want to do that, uh, but there's a lot of players that I know turned it down because they they wouldn't do it and and they weren't about to. And and you know, the kudos that's that that's fine for them, but uh, it is what it is. So as we get ready to wrap up a little bit, because I know you got some things as well. I don't want to take up too much time, but when you look back at the NFL, I'd ask this to everybody: when you look back at the NFL, what is uh, maybe your one of your greatest memories, and and maybe what's one of the least greatest or worst memories you have of the game um the greatest memory are we talking on the field game wise or just any anything for you anything in your time play what that, that was a, a product of the nfl Whew, man, that's, that's tough i know it's a tough one a lot comes to mind so but yeah. i think the most important so we'll go with that one okay what was you remember we came in together here I am drafted as a return specialist. And for yep. the first two years, three years maybe, I never touched the paint. I never take it to right. the house. I never score. But yet, Dick Vermeil, like a father figure would and should be, had faith in me, stood by me, would not cut me when other people wanted him to cut me. And then finally, we broke that ice, 
and I take that first one to the house versus the Arizona Cardinals. If you go find the video, I immediately dropped the ball. I didn't even throw up the X. It was, it was no X factor at the time. I dropped the ball, made a beeline to Coach Vermeil, and gave him the biggest, biggest hug. Oh, wow. Didn't I remember that. Wow. The faith, the belief, like a father would have in their own kid, he put in me. And that was probably the most important moment because from there, that's when we took off. We took off. Yeah. That. But that moment just, I felt like validated him mm-hmm. believing in me, not listening to others when they wanted to cut me. And I just, that that moment, especially, I, I got that picture of us hugging um, in my house um, because that's the most important. Um, the worst memory, who man, it was probably um, the day he said he was going to retire. Yeah. <laughs> cry like a baby. Yeah. Cry like a baby. I didn't even cry at my own dad's funeral. Like, seriously, didn't even cry. Like, no emotions whatsoever. Like, right. And here I am the day he came in and announced that he was going to retire. That was, that was the worst day. Wow. That's amazing. You all, I appreciate you taking time. And, you know, I, I, you and I joke about it a little bit, but folks, uh, that you don't know, I can remember one time we're at practice and, and Dante's walking back behind me and I'm back there, you know, you know, watching the offensive thing. And, and I'm just there like everybody from the three, one, three butcher. And, and you're, you, I remember you're like, whoa, what, what, what are you singing? And I was like, I was like, well, I'm singing such and such from eight mile. And he goes, that is why I like you. And we just kept watching. I was like, that's pretty funny. The, the relationships that we made and that people make, I, I think that's the, 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 the most wonderful thing. I, I appreciate your friendship the fact that it's just like the other day, and it's not just you and I, it's a, a ton of those guys, and I think that's something that's really, really cool. So I really appreciate you coming on today, uh, Dante. I mean, anytime, Kenneth, you know you're my guy. I always respect it and appreciate it how you went about being a teammate. You were one of the great teammates I've ever had, so appreciate you, brother. Anytime you need me. Wow. Thank you so much. Well, that's it for today. Again, thank you to Dante. And if you'd like to hear more, you can catch me on Sports Radio 810 in the Zone with Jason Anderson each and every Friday at noon during the Chiefs season. And also on KCMO Talk Radio Mondays and Fridays at 7 a.m. Monday in the morning now on 95.7 FM. Or you can also follow me on X at Tendall Gammon. Beyond the Game is made possible by our generous sponsor, Miles Shares Crown Automotive of Lawrence, Kansas, home to Crown Toyota and Crown Volkswagen. Visit them online at Crown Automotive to discover the Crown difference. Dante Hall, thank you very, very much. I appreciate you. My man, peace and love, my brother. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.